Chapter eighteen of By Pike and Dyke, a tale of the rise of the Dutch Republic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. By Pike and Dyke by G. A. Henty. Chapter eighteen. The Siege of Leiden. The Spaniards had no sooner appeared before Leiden than they set to work to surround it with a cordon of redoubts. No less than sixty-two, including those left standing since the last siege, were erected and garrisoned, and the town was therefore cut off from all communication from without. Its defenders were few in number, there being no troops in the town save a small corps composed of exiles from other cities, and five companies of the burgher guard. The walls, however, were strong, and it was famine rather than the foe that the citizens feared. They trusted to the courage of the burghers to hold the walls, and to the energy of the Prince of Orange to relieve them. The prince, although justly irritated by their folly in neglecting to carry out his orders, sent a message by a pigeon to them, encouraging them to hold out, and reminding them that the fate of their country depended upon the issue of this siege. He implored them to hold out for at least three months, assuring them that he would within that time devise means for their deliverance. The citizens replied, assuring the prince of their firm confidence in their own fortitude and his exertions. On the 6th of June the Grand Commander issued what was called a pardon, signed and sealed by the King. In it he invited all his erring and repentant subjects to return to his arms, and accept a full forgiveness for their past offense, upon the sole condition that they should once more enter the Catholic Church. A few individuals mentioned by name were alone excluded from this amnesty but all holland was now protestant and its inhabitants were resolved that they must not only be conquered but annihilated before the roman church should be re-established on their soil in the whole province but two men came forward to take advantage of the amnesty many netherlanders belonging to the king's party sent letters from the camp to their acquaintances in the city exhorting them to submission and imploring them to take pity upon their poor old fathers their daughters and their wives but the citizens of leyden thought the best they could do for these relatives was to keep them out of the clutches of the spaniards at the commencement of the siege the citizens gathered all their food into the magazines and at the end of june the daily allowance to each full-grown man was half a pound of meat and half a pound of bread women and children receiving less the prince had his headquarters at delft and rotterdam and an important fortress called the poldervaart between these two cities secured him the control of the district watered by the rivers isel and maas on the twenty ninth of june the spaniards attacked this fort but were beaten off with a loss of seven hundred men the prince was now occupied in endeavouring to persuade the dutch authorities to permit the great sluices at rotterdam schiedam and delft haven to be opened the damage to the country would be enormous but there was no other course to rescue leyden and with it the whole of holland from destruction it was not until the middle of july that his eloquent appeals and arguments prevailed and the estates consented to his plan subscriptions were opened in all the dutch towns for maintaining the inhabitants of the district that was to be submerged until it could be again restored and a large sum was raised the women contributing their plate and jewellery to the furtherance of the scheme on the third of august all was ready and the prince himself superintended the breaking down of the dykes in sixteen places while at the same time the sluices at schiedam and rotterdam were opened and the water began to pour over the land 
while waiting for the water to rise stores of provisions were collected in all the principal towns and two hundred vessels of small draught of water gathered in readiness unfortunately no sooner had the work been done than the prince was attacked by a violent fever brought on by anxiety and exertion on the twenty first of august a letter was received from the town saying that they had now fulfilled their original promise for they had held out two months without food and another month without food their bread had long been gone and their last food some malt cake would last but four days after that was gone there was nothing left but starvation upon the same day they received a letter from the prince assuring them that the dikes were all pierced and the water rising upon the great dike that separated the city from the sea the letter was read publicly in the market-place and excited the liveliest joy among the inhabitants bands of music played in the streets and salvos of cannon were fired the spaniards became uneasy at seeing the country beyond them gradually becoming covered with water and consulted the country people and the royalists in their camp all of whom assured them that the enterprise of the prince was an impossibility and that the water would never reach the walls the hopes of the besieged fell again however as day after day passed without change and it was not until the first of september when the prince began to recover from his fever and was personally able to superintend the operations that these began in earnest the distance from leyden to the outer dyke was fifteen miles ten of these were already flooded and the flotilla which consisted of more than two hundred vessels manned in all with twenty-five hundred veterans including eight hundred of the wild sea beggars of zealand renowned as much for their ferocity as for nautical skill started on their way and reached without difficulty the great dyke called the land skiding between this town and leyden were several other dykes all of which would have to be taken all these besides the sixty-two forts were defended by the spanish troops four times the number of the relieving force ned had been in close attendance upon the prince during his illness and when the fleet was ready to start requested that he might be allowed to accompany it this the prince at once granted and introduced him to admiral boisseau i shall be glad if you will take captain martin in your own ship he said young as he is he has seen much service and is full of resource and invention you will i am sure find him of use and he can act as messenger to convey your orders from ship to ship the prince had given orders that the land skiding whose top was still a foot and a half above water should be taken possession of at all hazard and this was accomplished by surprise on the night of the tenth the spaniards stationed there were either killed or driven off and the dutch fortified themselves upon it at daybreak the spaniards stationed in two large villages close by advanced to recover the important position but the dutch fighting desperately drove them back with the loss of some hundreds of men the dyke was at once cut through and the fleet sailed through the gap the admiral had believed that the land skiding once cut the water would flood the country as far as leyden but another dyke the greenway rose a foot above water three-quarters of a mile inside the land skiding as soon as the water had risen over the land sufficiently to float the ships the fleet advanced seized the greenway and cut it but as the water extended in all directions it grew also shallower and the admiral found that the only way by which he could advance was by a deep canal leading to a large mere called the freshwater lake this canal was crossed by a bridge and its sides were occupied by three thousand spanish soldiers 
boisseau endeavored to force the way but found it impossible to do so and was obliged to withdraw he was now almost despairing he had accomplished but two miles the water was sinking rather than rising owing to a long continued east wind and many of his ships were already aground on the eighteenth however the wind shifted to the northwest and for three days blew a gale the water rose rapidly and at the end of the second day the ships were all afloat again hearing from a peasant of a comparatively low dyke between two villages boisseau at once sailed in that direction there was a strong spanish force stationed here but these were seized with a panic and fled their courage unhinged by the constantly rising waters the appearance of the numerous fleet and their knowledge of the reckless daring of the wild sailors the dike was cut the two villages with their fortifications burned and the fleet moved on to north Ow. the enemy abandoned this position also and fled to zoutermir a strongly fortified village a mile and a quarter from the city walls gradually the spanish army had been concentrated round the city as water drove them back and they were principally stationed at this village and the two strong forts of lamin and leiderdorp each within a few hundred yards of the town at the last named post valdez had his headquarters and colonel borgia commanded at lamin the fleet was delayed at north Ow by another dyke called the kirkway the waters too spreading again over a wider space and diminished from the east wind again setting in sank rapidly and very soon the whole fleet was aground for there were but nine inches of water and they required twenty to float them day after day they lay motionless the prince of orange who had again been laid up with the fever rose from his sick-bed and visited the fleet he encouraged the dispirited sailors rebuked their impatience and after reconnoitering the ground issued orders for immediate destruction of the kirkway and then returned to delft all this time leyden was suffering horribly the burghers were aware that the fleet had set forth to their relief but they knew better than those on board the obstacles that opposed its progress the flames of the burning villages and the sound of artillery told them of its progress until it reached north Ow. then there was a long silence and hope almost deserted them they knew well that so long as the east wind continued to blow there could be no rise in the level of the water and anxiously they looked from the walls and the old tower for signs of a change they were literally starving and their misery far exceeded even that of the citizens of harlem a small number of cows only remained and of these few were killed every day and tiny morsels of meat distributed the hides and bones being chopped up and boiled the green leaves were stripped from the trees and every herb gathered and eaten the mortality was frightful and whole families died together in their houses from famine and plague for pestilence had now broken out and from six to eight thousand people died from this alone leyden abandoned all hope and yet they spurned the repeated summonses of valdez to surrender they were fully resolved to die rather than to yield to the spaniards from time to time however murmurs arose among the suffering people and the heroic burgomaster adrian vanderwerf was at once surrounded by a crowd and assailed by reproaches he took off his hat and calmly replied to them i tell you i have made an oath to hold the city and may god give me strength to keep it i can die but once either by your hands the enemies or by the hand of god 
my own fate is indifferent to me not so that of the city entrusted to my care i know that we shall all starve if not soon relieved but starvation is preferable to the dishonored death which is the only alternative your menaces move me not my life is at your disposal here is my sword plunge it into my breast and divide my flesh among you take my body to appease your hunger but expect no surrender so long as i remain alive still the east wind continued until stout admiral boisseau himself almost despaired but on the night of the first of october a violent gale burst from the northwest and then shifting blew more strongly from the southwest the water was piled up high upon the southern coast of holland and sweeping furiously inland poured through the ruined dikes and in twenty-four hours the fleet was afloat again at midnight they advanced in the midst of the storm and darkness some spanish vessels that had been brought up to aid the defenders were swept aside and sunk the fleet sweeping on past half-submerged stacks and farmhouses made its way to the fresh-water mere some shallows checked it for a time but the crews sprang overboard into the water and by main strength hoisted their vessels across them two obstacles alone stood between them and the city the forts of zutervoud and lamen the one five hundred and the other but two hundred and fifty yards from the city both were strong and well supplied with troops and artillery but the panic which had seized the spaniards extended to zutervoud hardly was the fleet in sight in the gray light of the morning when the spaniards poured out from the fortress and spread along a road on the dike leading in a westerly direction towards the hague the waves driven by the wind were beating on the dike and it was crumbling rapidly away and hundreds sank beneath the flood the zealanders drove their vessels up alongside and pierced them with their harpoons or plunging into the waves attacked them with sword and dagger the numbers killed amounted to not less than a thousand the rest effected their escape to the hague zutervoud was captured and set on fire but lamon still barred their path bristling with guns it seemed to defy them either to capture or pass it on their way to the city leiderdorp where valdez and his main force lay was a mile and a half distant on the right and within a mile of the city and the guns of the two forts seemed to render it next to impossible for the fleet to pass on boisseau after reconnoitering the position wrote despondently to the prince that he intended if possible on the following morning to carry the fort but if unable to do so he said there would be nothing for it but to wait for another gale of wind to still further raise the water and enable him to make a wide circuit and enter leyden on the opposite side a pigeon had been dispatched by boisseau in the morning informing the citizens of his exact position and at nightfall the burgomaster and a number of citizens gathered at the watch-tower yonder cried the magistrate pointing to lament behind that fort are bread and meat and brethren in thousands shall all this be destroyed by spanish guns or shall we rush to the aid of our friends we will tear the fortress first to fragments with our teeth and nails was the reply and it was resolved that a sortie should be made against lamon at daybreak when boisseau attacked it on the other side a pitch-dark night set in a night full of anxiety to the spaniards to the fleet and to leyden the sentries on the walls saw lights flitting across the waters and in the dead of night the whole of the city wall between two of the gates fell with a loud crash the citizens armed themselves and rushed to the breach believing that the spaniards were on them at last but no foe made his appearance 
in the morning the fleet prepared for the assault all was still and quiet in the fortress and the dreadful suspicion that the city had been carried at night and that all their labor was in vain seized those on board suddenly a man was seen wading out from the fort while at the same time a boy waved his cap wildly from its summit the mystery was solved the spaniards had fled panic-stricken in the darkness had they remained they could have frustrated the enterprise and leyden must have fallen but the events of the two preceding days had shaken their courage valdez retired from leiderdorp and ordered colonel borgia to evacuate Lamon. thus they had retreated at the very moment that the fall of the wall sapped by the flood laid bare a whole side of the city for their entrance they heard the crash in the darkness and it but added to their fears for they thought that the citizens were sallying out to take some measures which would further add to the height of the flood their retreat was discovered by the boy who having noticed the procession of lights in the darkness became convinced that the spaniards had retired and persuaded the magistrates to allow him to make his way out to the fort to reconnoitre as soon as the truth was known the fleet advanced passed the fort and drew up alongside the quays these were lined by the famishing people every man woman and child having strength to stand having come out to greet their deliverers bread was thrown from all the vessels among the crowd as they came up and many died from too eagerly devouring the food after their long fast then the admiral stepped ashore followed by the whole of those on board the ships magistrates and citizens sailors and soldiers women and children all repaired to the great church and returned thanks to god for the deliverance of the city the work of distributing food and relieving the sick was then undertaken the next day the prince in defiance of the urgent entreaties of his friends who were afraid of the effects of the pestilential air of the city upon his constitution enfeebled by sickness repaired to the town shortly afterwards with the advice of the states he granted the city as a reward for its suffering a ten days annual fare without tolls or taxes and it was further resolved that a university should as a manifestation of the gratitude of the people of holland be established within its walls the fiction of the authority of philip was still maintained and the charter granted to the university was under the circumstances a wonderful production it was drawn up in the name of the king and he was gravely made to establish the university as a reward to leyden for rebellion against himself considering it said that during these present wearisome wars within our provinces of holland and zealand all good instruction of youth in the sciences and literary arts is likely to come into entire oblivion considering the difference of religion considering that we are inclined to gratify our city of leyden with its burghers on account of the heavy burden sustained by them during this war with such faithfulness we have resolved after ripely deliberating with our dear cousin william prince of orange stadtholder to erect a free public school and university etc so ran the document establishing this famous university all needful regulations for its government being entrusted by philip to his above-mentioned dear cousin of orange ned martin was not one of those who entered leyden with boisseau's relieving fleet his long watching and anxiety by the bedside of the prince had told upon him and he felt strangely unlike himself when he started with the fleet so long as it was fighting its way forward the excitement kept him up but the long delay near the village of Au, and the deep despondency caused by the probable failure of their hopes of rescuing the starving city 
again brought on an attack of the fever that had already seized him before starting and when the prince of orange paid his visit to the fleet boisseau told him the young officer he had recommended to him was down with fever which was he believed similar to that from which the prince himself was but just recovering the prince at once ordered him to be carried on board his own galley and took him with him back to delft here he lay for a month completely prostrated the prince several times visited him personally and as soon as he became in some degree convalescent said to him i think we have taxed you too severely and have worked you in proportion to your zeal rather than to your strength the surgeon says that you must have rest for a while and that it will be well for you to get away from our marshes for a time for two years you have done good and faithful service and even had it not been for this fever you would have a right to rest and i think that your native air is best for you at present with the letters that came to me from flushing this morning is one from your good father asking for news of you his ship arrived there yesterday and he has heard from one of those who were with boisseau that you have fallen ill therefore if it be to your liking i will send you in one of my galleys to flushing i thank your excellency much ned said indeed for the last few days i have been thinking much of home and longing to be back i fear that i shall be a long time before i shall be fit for hard work again here you will feel a different man when you have been a few hours at sea the prince said kindly i hope to see you with me again some day there are many of your countrymen who like yourself have volunteered in our ranks and served us well without pay or reward but none of them have rendered better service than you have done and now farewell i will order a galley to be got in readiness at once i leave myself for leyden in half an hour take this my young friend in remembrance of the prince of orange and i trust that you may live to hand it down to your descendants as a proof that i appreciated your good services on behalf of a people struggling to be free so saying he took off his watch and laid it on the table by ned's bedside pressed the lad's hand and retired he felt it really a sacrifice to allow this young englishman to depart he had for years been a lonely man with few confidants and no domestic pleasures he lived in an atmosphere of trouble doubt and suspicion he had struggled alone against the might of philip the apathy of the western provinces the coldness and often treachery of the nobles the jealousies and niggardliness of the estates representing cities each of which thought rather of itself and its privileges than of the general good and the company of this young englishman with his frank utterances his readiness to work at all times and his freedom from all ambitions or self-interested designs had been a pleasure and relief to him and he frequently talked to him far more freely than even to his most trusted counsellors ever since the relief of alkmaar ned had been constantly with him save when dispatched on missions to various towns or to see that the naval preparations were being pushed on with all speed and his illness had made a real blank in his little circle however the doctors had spoken strongly as to the necessity for ned's getting away from the damp atmosphere of the half-submerged land and he at once decided to send him back to england and seized the opportunity directly the receipt of captain martin's letter informed him that the ship was at flushing an hour later four men entered with a litter the servants had already packed ned's mails and he was carried down and placed on board one of the prince's vessels they rowed down into the maas and then hoisting sail proceeded down the river kept outside the island to valkyren and then up the estuary of the skelt to flushing 
it was early morning when they arrived in port ned was carried upon deck and soon made out the good venture lying a quarter of a mile away he was at once placed in the boat and rowed alongside an exclamation from peters as he looked over the side and saw ned lying in the stern of the boat called captain martin out from his cabin why ned my dear boy he exclaimed as he looked over the side you seem in grievous state indeed there is not much the matter with me father i have had fever but am getting over it and it will need but a day or two at sea to put me on my feet again i have done with the war at present and the prince has been good enough to send me in one of his own galleys to you we will soon get you round again never fear master ned peters said as he jumped down into the boat to aid in hoisting him on board no wonder the damp airs of this country have got into your bones at last i never can keep myself warm when we are once in these canals if it wasn't for their skeedom i don't believe the dutchmen could stand it themselves ned was soon lifted on board and carried into the cabin aft the good venture had already discharged her cargo and as there was no chance of filling up again at flushing sail was made an hour after he was on board and the vessel put out to sea it was now early in november but although the air was cold the day was fine and bright and as soon as the vessel was under way ned was wrapped in cloaks and laid on a mattress on deck with his head well propped up with pillows one seems to breathe in fresh life here father he said it is pleasant to feel the motion and the shock of the waves after being so long on land i feel stronger already while so long as i was at delft i did not seem to gain from one day to the other i hope we shan't make too rapid a voyage i don't want to come home as an invalid we shall not make a fast run of it unless the wind changes ned it blows steadily from the west at present and we shall be lucky if we cast anchor under a week in the pool all the better father in a week i shall be on my legs again unless i am greatly mistaken ned's convalescence was indeed rapid and by the time they entered the mouth of the thames he was able to walk from side to side of the vessel and as the wind still held from the west it was another four days before they dropped anchor near london bridge ned would have gone ashore in his old attire but upon putting it on the first day he was able to get about he found he had so completely outgrown it that he was obliged to return to the garments he had worn in holland he was now more than eighteen years of age and nearly six feet in height he had broadened out greatly and the position he had for the last year held as an officer charged with authority by the prince had given him a manner of decision and authority altogether beyond his years as he could not wear his sailor dress he chose one of the handsomest of those he possessed it consisted of maroon doublet and trunks slashed with white with a short mantle of dark green and hose of the same color his cap was maroon in color with small white and orange plumes and he wore a ruff round his neck captain martin saluted him with a bow of reverence as he came on deck why ned they will think that i am bringing a court gallant with me your mother and the girls will be quite abashed at all this finery i felt strange in it myself at first ned laughed but of course i am accustomed to it now the prince is not one who cares for state himself but as one of his officers i was obliged to be well dressed and indeed this dress and the others i wear were made by his orders and presented to me indeed i think i am very moderate in not decking myself out with the two gold chains i have the one a present from his highness the other from the city of alkmaar to say nothing of the watch set with jewels that the prince gave me on leaving ned's mother and the girls were on the lookout for the good venture had been noticed as she passed 
ned had at his father's suggestion kept below in order that he might give them a surprise on his arrival i verily believe they won't know you he said as they approached the gate you have grown four inches since they saw you last and your cheeks are thin and pale instead of being round and sunburnt this with your attire has made such a difference that i am sure any one would pass you in the street without knowing you ned hung a little behind while his mother and the girls met his father at the gate as soon as the embraces were over captain martin turned to ned and said to his wife my dear i have to introduce an officer of the prince who has come over for his health to stay a while with us this is captain martin dame martin gave a start of astonishment looked incredulously for a moment at ned and then with a cry of delight threw herself into his arms it really seems impossible that this can be ned she said as after kissing his sisters he turned to her why husband it is a man and a very fine one too wife he tops me by two inches and as to his attire i feel that we must all smarten up to be fit companions to such a splendid bird why the girls look quite awed by him but you look terribly pale ned and thin his mother said and you were so healthy and strong i shall soon be healthy and strong again mother when i have got out of these fine clothes which i only put on because i could not get into my old ones and you have fed me up for a week on good english beef you will see that there is no such great change in me after all and now let us go inside captain martin said there is a surprise for you there ned entered and was indeed surprised at seeing his aunt elizabeth sitting by the fire while his cousins were engaged upon their needlework at the window they too looked for a moment doubtful as he entered for the fifteen months since they had last seen him when he left them at the surrender of harlem had changed him much and his dress at that time had been very different to that he now wore it was not until he exclaimed well aunt this is indeed a surprise that they were sure of his identity and they welcomed him with a warmth scarcely less than his mother and sisters had shown elizabeth plomart was not of a demonstrative nature but although she had said little at the time she had felt deeply the care and devotion which ned had exhibited to her and her daughters during the siege and knew that had it not been for the supplies of food scanty as they were that he nightly brought in she herself and probably the girls would have succumbed to hunger when did you arrive aunt ned asked when the greetings were over four months ago ned life was intolerable in harlem owing to the brutal conduct of the spanish soldiers i was a long time bringing myself to move had it not been for the girls i should never have done so but things became intolerable and when most of the troops were removed at the time count louis advanced we managed to leave the town and make our way north it was a terrible journey to Enkhausen, but we accomplished it and after being there a fortnight took passage in a ship for england and as you see here we are end of chapter eighteen